I am God's plan. You are God's plan. Not This sermon series is not titled, We Are God's Plan, because I want you to get it that you are God's plan. I am God's plan, all by myself, all alone, okay? And I know some of you have a hard time believing that. You don't have a hard time believing that some of these up here on stage this morning, with all of their, all of their talents and abilities and the, the beauty that they can bring out of an instrument or even their voice, that, that's, yeah, they're God's plan. Or, or maybe, you know, that, that, that lady or that man that you, you dropped your child off with in, in kids' church or in the nursery this morning, that, you know, they just have a way with kids and, and you say, oh, wow, yeah, I can see how they're God. And, and people like that, I mean, we... It's easy to say, well, yeah, I see that they're God's plan, but sometimes we have a hard time believing that we personally, that I am God's plan. I want you to get that out of your mind today. You are God's plan. I want to take you on a little journey, if I can, kind of through the Bible real quick. We're going to begin at the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, when God created everything, he created angels, he created the worlds, he created the universe, and when he got to this world, all, all through that chapter of Genesis 1, and, and if you go to the, the Sunday's page, you can see, see the references here, but w- when God created the light, he saw the light and saw that it was good. And then when he, when he created the dry land, he saw that it was good. And when he created the plants, he saw that it was good. So God keeps proclaiming all these things that he's creating is good. And when he created the sun and the moon, he saw that it was good. When he created the sea creatures, their creatures, he saw that it was good. And when he created the land animals, he saw that it was good. And then we get down to verse uh, 27, we're on day six now, where God's just about done with, you know, with, with the created days and all of this. And when, and when he starts now, and, and, and he decides he's going to create man. And so in verse 27 and verse 31 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so he created humans, people, man, woman. He created us in God's image. And when God saw all that he had made, and so then now he's looking at everything, and he sees everything that he has made, and he sees that it was, there's an extra word in there that wasn't in any of those other verses. There's an extra word in there. He saw that it was very good. You know, all of creation was good, and then when God created mankind, when God created people, you know what, all of a sudden now he says, it's not just good, it is very good. God created us on purpose. We are not accidents, okay? And some of you have been told you were an accident. And, and not just that you were an accident that mom and dad didn't expect you to come. Some people have used that against you to say you were just an accident. You shouldn't even be here. But I'll tell you something, that God created you with purpose. We were all created with purpose. I am God's plan. And let me, let me show it to you right here in Genesis chapter 3 in, in verse 8. It says, then the man, talking about Adam and Eve, when the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God created Adam and Eve and put them in this garden. And then he started walking with them in the cool of the day. Th- this was not just something that that he did this one time, but he was walking in the cool of the day. And the next few verses, we, we see where, where God begins to, to look for them because they're not there. Now, now, God knows exactly where they are, right? But, but he begins to search for them, even though he knows that they're there, kind of in the same way he has searched for all of us, right? This is the purpose of why God created you and created me, because God wanted to have relationship with you, not just with all of mankind, but with you. But Let's take that thought just a little bit farther because what happens next is when God finds them, they have committed sin. They have been disobedient. They have rebelled against him. They have walked away from from relationship with him to do things of their own choosing. You know, not unlike a relationship that you can have with 
you know, you know, like you can have with a spouse or you can have with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. That you have a relationship, but you can choose to break that relationship and go off and do something else. That's what Adam and Eve did. And because of that, all people have been separated from God. And so what God does is then God, he calls, he calls Moses, and he gives Moses a law, or he gives Moses, and, and I sometimes tell, tell young ladies, I just, just, just past couple of months, I've been telling young ladies, you know, you need to give, you need to lay down the law to, to the guys that you date. There should be a law for dating you, because that, that's what God is doing. God is saying, here, here is the law, or here are the, the directions. If you want to have a relationship with me, this is what it's gonna be like. You ever, do, don't you do that? I mean, if you're dating, don't you do that? Are there not rules? I mean, do you, or do you just let anybody date you? Anybody can show up at your house. Anybody can take you out on a date. Anybody can do and treat you out there. Is, is that really what relationship is to you? Because that's not what it is to God. And that's not what he intends it to be for you either. But God says, look, if, if you want to have a relationship with me, let me tell you what it's like. And then he starts laying it out. And I know there's the Ten Commandments there and a lot of other things that he's there. But when he starts talking to Moses, th- these are the first, this is, this is how he introduces this law. He says, give these instructions. This is God speaking to Moses. Give these instructions to the family of Jacob, announce it to the descendants of Israel. So he's talking about the whole nation of Israel. He says, give these instructions. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, those who enslaved you, those who oppressed you, those who abused you. You have seen what I've done to your abusers. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth for all the earth belongs to me and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. And so God gives them this. Here's the covenant. Here's our relationship. You know what God's doing? He's proposing to the nation of Israel. And he says, here's my proposition. You know, if you will be my people, I will let you be my people. And I will always carry you on on eagle's wings. And I will always be there for you. And I will always be delivering you. And so he reminds them of this, even though they have wandered away from him. He reminds them of this and he calls them back to himself. Why? Because God wants a special people just to himself. Don't we all want that? I mean, that's why we get married, right? I mean, that's why we don't just continue to date everybody, you know, in, you know, in our, our, on our Facebook page, right? We don't just keep doing that. You know, eventually we want to settle down to one person, you know, and have that one person who is ours. You know what? God, God wants that kind of relationship with you all. He wants a personal relationship with you. And so he reminds them of this, but Israel constantly, they constantly wander away from him. They constantly go do their own thing. They constantly keep getting themselves in trouble. And so you know what God does? As they wander away and as they, they turn their back on him and, and, the, and, and they live in rebelliousness and, and, and disobedience and sin, and so God sends liberators. Let me, let me show you in the book of Judges. This is chapter four, verse one, chapter six, verse one, chapter 13, verse one. Notice something about that, right? Look at what it says. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. These chapters weren't, as they were written in the Hebrew, they weren't like broken down in chapters so much. But when they were translated into English, they were broken down into chapters so it'd be easy for us to follow along. And, and when those translated in, in, into English, when, when those who were translating into English, they, they, they saw, okay, here's the beginning of a new story. And all of these stories begin with Israel turning their back on God. And these aren't the only three, okay? But these are just three I threw at you. 
And they all begin with Israel walking away and going in a different direction and getting themselves in trouble. But you know how they all end? Is that God sends a liberator. He sends a superhero. He sends a, a Samson. He sends a Deborah. He, he sends someone like that, to, to, to a Gideon, to walk on the scenes to say, no, this is what God has called you to do. In, in the book they're called, in the book of the, the Word of God, the Bible, they're called judges. I mean, it doesn't mean judges like, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing wrong. It means like, this is what we've broken, broken relationship with God. And here's what can be done to bring us back to God and bring us back to victory. So God sends the liberators. And then he sends the prophets. And he sends, and if you, if you go to the, if you go to the Sunday's page, you'll see a ton of scriptures that are there that all through the prophets. Here's the reason God sends the prophets. We're going to read that in just a moment. Okay. The reason God sends the prophets is to remind them of the promises. Because you know, you know what always happens, you know, just like, just like a relationship, you break up, you, you know, you start feeling like, you know, you, you're dating the wrong person or whatever, and you start to break up, you start forgetting all of the, the promise that is there. You start looking at the bad situations and you start forgetting the promise. And if that relationship is supposed to continue, the only way it's going to happen is for promise to be renewed. And God know, knew that about us. The only way for us to continue in relationship with him was for the promise to be renewed. And so let me set this up for you a little bit here before we read that, these verses of scripture in the book of Haggai. Is that Israel has once again turned their back on God and they've gotten themselves in trouble. And, 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 and Jerusalem has been ransacked, it has been destroyed, and the temple of God is laying waste. And they're, they're standing there and they're looking at this temple and God is leading them to rebuild the temple of God. Now this temple that they're looking at is the one that Solomon built. And Solomon, remember he was not just that wise man, he was also a very rich man. And it was exquisite. It had everything. TBN didn't have a thing on Solomon and Solomon's temple, let me tell you, okay? I, I mean, you know, every, everything was just perfect and awesome and beautiful. And so they're looking at it, and now they're seeing it as destroyed. And so they're standing there thinking, how in the world can it be anything? It will never be what it is. We, we don't have money to repair this. We don't have the ability that Solomon, we don't have the connections. We don't have the, even the vision and the dream and the, even just the ability to kind of think and imagine that it could ever be anything more amazing than it is today. We don't have that. And that's where God speaks. And I, we begin with verse six, but I was thinking this morning, I need to tell you about verse five. So let me tell you about verse five too before we get to verse six. Is God says this in verse five. He says, don't forget the covenant that I, he said, don't forget the promises that I've made. Don't forget this, this proposal that I've made to you to be my own special love. Don't forget that. And, 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 God, and God says, because I have been with you and my spirit is still here with you. You may feel like it's all over, but God's saying, no, I'm still here with you. And so he says at the end of verse five, he says, don't be afraid. And then verse six, he says, for this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The Lord of heaven's armies, not the captain of the armies. Just the captain of the armies of heaven would be amazing, wouldn't it? But we're not talking about what the captains of the armies says. We're talking about what the Lord of the heaven's armies is saying. Here's what the Lord of heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. So they're looking at this temple that is destroyed. Here's what, here's what God is saying right here. He said, I'm about to shake everybody up. 
Everybody thinks they've got things going. I'm about to shake everything. I'm about to shake things to their foundation. And the treasure or the desire, that this word here in the Hebrew is kind of like treasure and also like des- desire, okay? Because, you know, what we desire, that's like what we treasure. That's, that's more kind of what this means. So it means treasure and it means desire. And what he says is all the stuff that all those, you think you don't have enough, let me tell you something. All the stuff they got is about to be brought here. It's about to come here. And, and we're not just talking about financial things, okay? But he says all those things, I'm about to bring all of that here. Uh, and, and I will fill this place with glory, this, this place. As they're standing here and looking at something that is so destroyed, wondering how in the world it can be, God says, I am going to bring glory to this place. Come on, is, is this connecting with anybody yet? I want to help you if it's not in just a few moments. And, and, and then he goes on just a little bit further. He, and, because, and, he, and he reminds them, says the Lord of heaven's armies, the silver is mine. And the gold, you're saying you don't know how you're going to build this thing because you don't have the money. Do you know anybody that has the money? God says the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Says who? Says the Lord of heaven's armies. God wants to make sure we get this. That this is not somebody, this is not Moses talking. This is not Haggai talking. This is the Lord of heaven's armies mm, that is talking right here. And, and he says, the future glory of this temple, I, I, I know you think, you, you, some of you saw this temple before it was destroyed 70 years ago. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. What an, what an amazing, that's, that's why I chose this, is because it, these, just, these few verses right here are the renewal of the promises of God, of everything that he has said. Remember, I've proposed to you. I've co- I am your God. I am still here. My presence is still here. My spirit is still here. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry, because I got all the silver, and I got all the gold. I can just, I can just shake, shake right over here, and everything will be over here in just a moment. I've got it all taken care of. And so what God, what God does is he is reminding and reminding and reminding. But let me tell you, about, we're going to come back to this in just a moment, okay? i got to close here in just a moment. But right before I do, let me remind you, just to make sure we get the whole story, God also sends his son. And even though we keep falling away from God and wandering away from him, God sends his son. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever... Tell me, who, who's a who, is there anybody here that's a whoever today? Are there any whoever's in the building today? I, I, I'm a whoever. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, now you're going to die, okay? That's not what it said. You're going to die, but it's not talking about the physical death. Every one of us is going to die. Every one of them, every person in the world is going to die. They're going to just wear their bodies out, or they're going to get some disease, or so you know, some people are going to die of, of starvation in some third world countries, and, and you know, there, there are people going to have some tragedies happen, but all of us are going to die. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is even when this world, this life is over, there's, going to, there's something else after that. You know, there's some people that don't believe in eternity and don't believe that there's anything. Okay, well, that means you got about 20, 30, 40 more years, whatever, you know, that you're going to just enjoy, and then that's it. But there's something inside of me that tells me that I, I'm not just different from, uh, from, from other animals and other beings in this world because we have the ability to communicate and we have developed our own language. There is something that is different about us. We will live beyond the very last breath that we breathe. And when we do, God promises us that if we are a whoever that believes in him, then we can live for eternity. And where is it that we're going to live? For? Who is it we're going to live with? We're going to live with him. You see, this whole thing, this whole Bible thing is for you to have a relationship with God because, you know, all these relationships in this world, they're going to fail you. As good as I can try to be as your pastor, I'm going to blow it at some point. 
I'm going to say the wrong thing, you know. I'm, I'm going to tell you that, 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 uh, that Disney uh, made a movie about, uh, you know, about the Ten Commandments or something, and, uh, you know, and you're going to have to correct me, you know, after the service, you know, like last week, okay. You know, uh, you know I, I'm going to blow it. I'm going to mess up. But there is one constant. There is one person that you will never, ever be let down by. And he says, I want to be this person in your life. I want to have relationship with you. And he makes it very personal. Whoever. It's no longer just about the world. It is a whoever. And so it's you. So let me take it back to Haggai now. Because let's look at these verses of scripture now without thinking about all those people and, and the crowd and the congregation and the church. Let's think about what he's saying right here to us. First of all, where does it begin in verse five? He says, this is what I'm proposing to you. Some, somebody, you are God's plan. Listen to me. This is what God is proposing to you. His spirit is right here, right now, beside you. You know, as we were singing that song, I think it was that first song we sang this morning, talking about the love that just, oh, it just overwhelms us. And so, you know, when you, this feeling that you feel when you're with the family of God, this feeling that you feel when you're singing these songs, it's like, wow, you know, I, I can stand in a bar or pub somewhere and sing and I don't feel like this. Why do I feel like this? It's because his spirit is with you right here. That's what he said. He said, so don't be afraid. And, and so then he goes into this. For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. He, he's reminding you who he is again. Are you hearing me? You are God's plan. And the Lord of heaven's armies is speaking to you today. In just a little while, he will again shake the heavens and the earth and the oceans and the dry land. He will shake all the nations. It's happening. I mean, look all around you. The nations are being shaken to their very foundation. The financial system of, of this world is being shaken to its foundation. And what does he say? And he says, I will bring the treasures of all nations to this temple. But we're not, we're, remember, we're not looking at this as, as a crowd of people. We're looking at this because remember it now in the New Testament, we are the temple of God. And so what God is saying is whatever you need, I already own it out there because I'm sovereign over all that stuff that the world thinks that they own. And he says, I, I can shake all of that today. I can destroy, I can do whatever I want to and Bring that into your house. I can bring that into your temple, into your being today. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies is saying to somebody today. And he says, I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Some, some of you are looking at your, at your situation and you're thinking, you're just, you're just like these Israelites looking at a broken down temple. And you're thinking, how in the world? It can't happen. But God says, oh yeah, it can happen. And I'm going to bring glory into the temple that is you. I'm going to bring glory into the life that you are living today. Uh, 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 says, I'm going to bring the, fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine, the gold is mine. You're saying, but I don't know how I can do it. You're not going to do it, but you don't have to worry about that because he owns all the silver. He owns all the gold. He owns, he owns all the power. He owns all the blessings. He owns all the miracles. He owns all of the, all of the anointing. He owns all of these things. You don't have to have anything. And, and who is it that owns this? Again, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Here, here's the thought you need to get from this as he keeps saying the Lord of heaven's armies. And I, I know ain't is not really a good word to use, but there ain't no word I can use better than ain't in this little, little phrase right here, okay? Here's, here's what I want you to understand is he's the Lord of heaven's armies. There ain't no battle you are standing against today or you will ever stand against that this Lord of heaven's armies cannot win for you. He is already winning for you. He can, yes. That's who this is. And this is what he says, and the future glory of this temple, 
No matter oh, 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 how good it was, you say, oh, but, but it's fallen apart on me. No, the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of, hev- of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. Where? Come on, we're relating this straight home to us. That, yeah, he was talking about a, a temple, a very physical building back in those days. But it was symbolic of this temple that you and I have today. And he says, I will bring peace. Somebody needs to hear that, don't you? You need to hear that God wants to bring peace to your temple today. And he says, don't fear. Quit fearing. Quit being scared. He wants to bring peace to your temple today. And who says it? The Lord of heaven's armies that has never been defeated and never will be. I got one last little thing to share with you. You know what I wanted to share it with you, right? Would you stand and come to the front? And we're, we don't get real excited we, we, uh, about leaving. Get excited about coming. We're going to stand in God's presence for just a few moments. If you're a first-time attender, we always like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer. Today, we're going to close with a couple of, uh, I think, three songs and a final prayer. And we'd love to have you join us if you feel comfortable. Please come join us. And as you come, as you come, just see yourselves entering into the presence of the Lord. You, you, you might have been sitting by somebody else back there, but see yourselves now as just stepping into the the presence of the Lord, just stepping into his place. And, and, and let me say this real quick right here. You may have never experienced the love of Jesus. You might not even, even have yet experienced that, 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 wow, that feeling like I was talking about just a few moments ago. Maybe that's because you've never allowed him to be Lord of your life. That can change just like that. It's not important what words you pray. You can pray the most eloquent prayer with your mouth, but if your heart's lips aren't moving, if your heart's not praying, it don't mean a thing. You gotta you got pray right here. It's gotta be right in here. But if you'll just tell him, God, I'm a mess and I need you to rescue me. He'll do it right now. And in just a few moments, I, I, I believe some of you that have been just, feeling, just, just, just walking through troubles and walking through problems and walking through battles, in just a few moments, the peace of God is gonna fill these temples. That's what that word said in Haggai. The peace of God is gonna fill these temples. Just let some things just go away. Just, 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 because the word of God tells us that the devil flees from him, the him that's in us. So when, when that thing, that thing that's bringing you turmoil and that thing that is bringing a battle, when it begins to leave, don't grab a hold of it. Just wave by and let it go. Oh, let's let that happen right here. Look, last, throw this up here for me so I'll run through it real quick if you can, Tommy. Thank you. Every time they wandered away, Whenever they blew it, God was still there working, still trying again, because he wanted someone to be his own. Let me say this again. Every time you wandered away, whenever you blew it, God's always still been working right there beside you, hasn't he? Trying one more time with you, hasn't he? Some of y'all are testifying with your heads right here, okay? If you don't know that to be true, just, just, just notice some people are nodding their head, yeah. Every time I've fallen on my face, when I, when I raised myself up, he was there to pick me back up. He was there. You, some of you, your lives are a mess. He was there to gather the broken pieces and just start putting it all back together, just setting you free to bring peace again, to, to just raise you up out of your brokenness and to make you free and liberated. Like he sent the liberators. He's sending his spirit and his presence right here to liberate somebody today and make you free again. But you, I know some of you, you're, you're, hard, you're hard shell, hard-headed people right here. 
and you just still don't know that you believe it because you're just such a failure, right? You got so many weaknesses. But we're about to sing a song that says he's going to put his treasure into a vessel with failures and weaknesses. And, and remember that word in the Hebrew about treasure was desire. That when, when God puts his treasure inside of us, it's also saying, I'm putting my desire in you and you are who I treasure now. And you are who I desire now. And he desires to have a relationship with us. Listen, if you